glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Take your Bibles this morning, if you will. 1 Samuel, the book of 1 Samuel chapter 3. It's a privilege and an honor to be with you this morning. <clears throat> and I sincerely mean that. I appreciate your pastor and his friendship to us. Um, ever since we moved here seven years ago, he's been a friend to us and our church. Personally, he's been a friend and we're thankful for him and his family. And thankful for this church, God raising this church up here in Bonner's Ferry. And it's a light in this community. I know and I'm thankful for each one that's here this morning. A lot of other places you could have been on a Sunday morning. But we're glad you're here in church. Amen. First Samuel chapter 3. Uh, it's not a very long chapter, but I'd like to read the entire thing if we could. We're going to work our way through it uh, and see a few things for us. This is a familiar passage. Uh, the, the story, we're jumping in here kind of into the middle of it. This is the story of Samuel, uh, Hannah. Uh, we'll get into this more as we go. But Hannah had birthed Samuel, uh, a miraculous birth. Hannah was barren, could not have any children. And she pleaded and begged God to give her a child. And God did that. God gave her Samuel as a son. And she made a vow to the Lord uh, back in chapter 1 that if God would bless her with a child, she would give the child back to the Lord. For all of his days was, was the oath that she made. And I think about that as, as a mom. Could a mom make that commitment? I mean, you think about that. You as a mom would say, Lord, if you give me a child, I'll give the child back to you. For all of his days, he can live his life in the tabernacle, and I'll see him once a year. That'd be a tough decision, wouldn't it? She was so serious about God blessing her with a child that she was willing to make that commitment. And God blessed her. And, and I, I commend Hannah. Uh, Mother's Day is coming up, and Hannah was a good mother. She kept her word. She kept her promise and, and lent Samuel to the Lord, brought Samuel. The Bible says that after he was weaned, which... According to Hebrew custom, the ancient Near East was in between two and three years old. Uh, so you think about that Samuel as a two to three year old boy uh, and a mom dropping her boy off at the temple and walking away, not knowing whenever you'd see your child again. That's, that's incredible to think about. Uh, now, I've studied a little bit and I've found that uh, Hannah and her husband Elkanah uh, lived about 15 miles away from Shiloh, which was where the tabernacle was. So it wasn't that far. She could probably go visit her son. Uh, it's only a 15-mile walk, which is still pretty far on foot, but yet it was convenient enough for her to probably go visit. In fact, we know the Bible says uh, that she did visit at least once a year, brought a coat uh, to, to him to be used, uh, and they visited each other, I'm sure, as the years went on. Uh, and Samuel was a great prophet of the Lord. In fact, we know that Samuel was the last and 13th judge. The book of Judges ushers us through 12 separate judges and their ministry. And Samuel was the final one. Samuel was the last one, the 13th and final judge. Uh, and, of course, we know Samuel uh, ordained and, and, and anointed the first king of Israel, Saul. Uh, and Samuel was greatly used of God in a powerful way. But here in this passage, in chapter 3, we're going to kind of jump into the middle of the story here. Samuel was still a young man. In fact, it says in verse number 1, the child, Samuel. So how old was Samuel here? We do not know. Uh, but we know that he was young. Let's read this chapter. It says in verse 1, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. 
And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of, of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep that the Lord called Samuel and, and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I for thou callest, for thou callest me. And he said, I called, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. And Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord hath said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. And Samuel told him every wit, and hid nothing from him. And he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth good. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Uh, Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this opportunity we have to gather around your word. We're thankful for this church and those that are here this morning. And it's no accident that those sitting before me are here. And I pray that you'd help us as we look at this passage of Scripture. Give me wisdom as I preach. And I pray that the lessons contained in this passage would be helpful challenging, convicting. I pray you'd help us, Lord, to, to leave here today changed, to leave here uh, better Christians and better believers. And I pray you'd help us in a powerful way. Help me as I preach in Jesus' name. Amen. We've already seen a little bit of the background here. Uh, Samuel was a child that was a miraculous child, born to Hannah, uh, who was barren. God had made her barren, and, and yet God opened the womb and gave her uh, this child uh, back in chapter 1, verse 11, uh, Hannah had made the vow uh, that if God blessed her with a child, that she would give him unto the Lord all of his days, and there shall come no razor upon his head. And I commend Hannah. She kept her vow. She obeyed and uh, brought Samuel to be used of God. Uh, and I think it's interesting, the name Samuel, uh, there, there's two ways to interpret his name. The word Samuel means simply his name is El, or his name is God. It also implies that, uh, that he was asked of God, that God provided Samuel because Hannah had asked. 
And I'm thankful that God answers prayer. That when we ask for things, God answers. Uh, and, and it's important for us to, to turn to Him. Often our knee-jerk reaction is to figure it out ourselves. But the knee-jerk reaction should be to turn to the Lord and ask Him to help and ask Him to intervene and to work according to His will. Uh, the Bible says that after Samuel was weaned, which would have been between two and three years of age, he was brought to the temple. And then year after year, according to chapter 2, verse 19, Hannah would come and visit only about 14 or 15 miles away. I think it's important for us to get our children involved in ministry at a very early age. Samuel, the age of two, was ministering. As it says in verse number 1, he was ministered unto the Lord. Did you know that a two-year-old can minister unto the Lord? A three-year-old can minister unto the Lord. And I think it's important for us as, as parents, as a church, to, to establish that in their minds at, at an early age, that even a child can be used of God in a powerful way to minister unto Him. This time in which Samuel was growing up in the tabernacle under the leadership of Eli, the high priest, uh, historically was a very wicked time. Uh, the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, had polluted and perverted the tabernacle of the Lord. In fact, the vision that Samuel had here, the word of the Lord that came to Samuel, was that God was going to kill Eli and punish Eli and kill his sons because of their wickedness. And, and, and again, I've already said this, that, that Samuel was the last and 13th judge. And the time of the judges can be summed up with the final verse in the book of Judges, chapter 21, verse 25, uh, says that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. It's a very wicked time. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. No one wanted to serve the Lord. No one was, was on board with the tabernacle and, and worshiping God as they were supposed to do. The world was a wicked place. Even Israel itself was living in wickedness and evil, in an evil lifestyle. And this is the world that Samuel was, was growing up in. This was the world that Samuel was learning to minister and to be uh, used of God in. As I've, as I've studied chapter 3 here, it's interesting. The word Lord capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. You can look through the chapter, you can scan through the chapter, and you'll find 20 times the name of Jehovah is mentioned in this one chapter alone. And I find an application there that even in the times uh, in which the world is living riotously, that the world is living wickedly, God is still present. God is still there. Even in the midst of chaos, in the midst of wickedness, and the world is, is doing whatever they want to do, God is still there. God is still present. And I'm thankful for that principle this morning, that even today in, in America, in our country, in our world, it seems that every man is doing that which was right in his own eyes. God's not forgotten. God is still present. God is still here. Psalm 46, verse number 1, the Bible says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. It's amazing. Even in trouble sometimes, God is still present. God is still there Psalm 145, verse 18, The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon Him, to all that call upon Him in truth. I'm thankful for an ever-present Savior who loves us, who guides us, uh, and, and wants to help and intervene in our lives. Now, as I've studied chapter 3, we're going to look at a few principles uh, this morning. But, but quickly, notice verse number 1. I already told you the word Lord is mentioned 20 times, but, but specifically there's a phrase here that's mentioned. Verse 1, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord. You see that phrase, the word of the Lord. Go down to verse number 7. It says, now, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Do you see that phrase again? The word of the Lord. Go down to verse number 21. 
It says, and the, and the Lord appeared unto Sh- again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Now we find back in verse number 1 that the word of the Lord was precious in those days. And we'll talk about that in just a moment, why that was. Uh, but that's the message I'd like us to, to talk about this morning and look at biblically here in this passage. God spoke, did he not? God spoke to Samuel. The message was obvious. The message was clear, and we'll look at that in a moment. Uh, But the principle here, the the title of the message, if you will, is When God Speaks. When God Speaks. I'm thankful this morning that God has spoken, has he not? We have it here, right here in front of us. We have his word. God God exists. Do we all believe that God exists? God is real. But also, additionally, God has spoken. He has spoken to us through his word. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Who is his Son? Jesus, right? Uh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. It says, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and also verse 14, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Did you know that Jesus Christ is present with us this morning? The Son of God is present with us this morning in the form of His living Word. The Word of God is synonymous with the Son of God. So God has spoken to you, God has spoken to I through, not Samuel the prophet, but through his word. And when God speaks, maybe in your devotions, maybe in a pew at at church, uh, maybe on a podcast or somewhere else that you hear the word of God, when God speaks to you, what what do we do with it? How do we respond? And that's the message this morning. There's, There's several things I'd like us to look at how Samuel responded. When God spoke to Samuel, how did he respond? When God spoke to to this little child, how did he react? I think there's some application for us this morning in in 1 Samuel chapter 3 that I'd like us to to consider. Number one, if you're taking notes, when God speaks, okay? When God spoke, past tense, to Samuel, number one, it was cherished. It was cherished. Notice verse 1. says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was, you say it, what is it? Precious in those days there was no open vision. Notice, I think it's interesting, down in verse number 7, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him, but yet, in verse number 1, he was ministering unto the Lord. Just a, just a quick thought in passing. It's possible to minister unto the Lord and not know the Lord. You with me? It's possible to minister to the Lord, to do and not do all the right and wrong things and still not know Him and still not know His Word. It's possible possible to do this. And I see many pastors, many preachers, many believers sitting in churches all across the country, even in our own churches, churches, uh, that have the right clothes on, that play the part, that sing the, the right songs, that do everything they're supposed to do, that they cross their T's and dot their I's, but they don't know the Lord. And they don't have a relationship with the Lord. That's the bottom line this morning, that when God speaks, that's everything. It should be cherished. It should be precious. 
because that's the most important thing. I don't want to just serve the Lord. I want to know the Lord. I don't want to just minister unto him. I want to have him speak to me and intimately speak to me and to know him and walk with him and talk with him. What does it mean in verse number one that the word of the Lord was precious in those days? Two things. Letter A. First of all, the, the word of the Lord had vanished. It had vanished. The word precious uh, literally means that which is unusual, that which is not normal. Okay, It says in the end of the verse, there was no open vision. God was not speaking. At this particular time in history, God chose to be silent. It's similar to the 400 silent years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. We know there's periods of, throughout history that, that God did not speak, that God did not reveal himself. And this is one of those times. As, as I've thought about that, uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 29:18, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Uh, the people perish when God does not speak. You with me? Now, let's, let's, let's backtrack here a minute. Why is God not speaking? I believe the reason is because the people were living in sin, right? Every man was doing that which was right in their own eyes. And so the bottom line here, the fact of the matter is that the word of the Lord had ceased, it had vanished. Why? Because the people were living in sin. The Bible says that Hophni and Phinehas were having immoral relations, relations just right outside the gate of the tabernacle. How ludicrous, how horrible, how horrendous, that it was public, that it was obvious that that even Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, would go into the holy place and just take bread. They would just take the meat that was designed for the high priest, designed for the service of the Lord. They were stealing. They were immoral. They were wicked. And it wasn't just Hophni and Phinehas. The entire nation was living in wickedness. Therefore, God chose not to speak. The word of the Lord had ceased. It had vanished. The last judge before Samuel was Samson. We all know how wicked Samson was, right? In fact, you can read the end, last couple chapters of the book of Judges, and there's some examples, I believe, those last couple chapters, uh, of how, how, actual, how wicked the people actually were, uh, and how immoral, how vile, how bloodthirsty the people. You can go back and read it. Read the, the last couple chapters of the book of Judges. It's pretty, it's pretty eye-opening. The people were wicked. The people were living in open sin. Therefore, God was not speaking. So what does it mean that the word of the Lord was precious or cherished? Uh, it was simply that it, was, it wasn't there. God had chose not to speak. But also, letter B, I think the word precious is used here on purpose because God's word is precious, is it not? It is precious. Letter B, the word of the Lord was valued. It was valued because it had vanished. If God was not speaking and then he chose to speak, wow, let's sit up and listen, right? And I think it's important for, for you and I to understand that we as Christians, we as American Christians, have more access to the Word of God than pretty much any generation throughout the history of mankind. Right? And how little we read it. And how low we esteem the Word of God. I think of, man, I'd hate to live during this time when, when God wasn't speaking. Lord, please speak. Can you reveal yourself? I'm thankful we don't have to do that today. We have his revelation. We have his word. If I want to hear from God, all I have to do is open the Bible, read it, study it, and God will speak to me. It indeed is precious to have the word of God readily available in front of us at any given moment. Job chapter 23 verse 12 says, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. 
Jeremiah 15, verse 16, Jeremiah said, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. Do you cherish the moments in which God speaks to you? I, I, I hope and I pray that you have a, a devotional time. A time every day that you set apart to take time and read His Word. I pray that that's the case. I pray that you do that because if you don't, you need to. Because it is precious, it is valuable for you to hear from God, for God to speak to you. When God speaks, do we cherish it as we ought? The Bible says it was precious in those days and should be precious in our days as well. Uh, someone said, sin keeps us from the word and the word keeps us from sin. God was not speaking because the people were living in sin. But if they would stop sinning, God would speak to them. And if God spoke to them, they would stop sinning. It's kind of just, just a, a vicious cycle, right? Uh, and the point here is that we need to spend time in the word of God. Uh, we need to cherish the word of God. Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Let's properly cherish the word of God and live appropriate lives. Uh, when God speaks, when God spoke to Samuel, number one, it was cherished. Number two, when God speaks or when God spoke, past tense to Samuel, number two, it was a call. It was a call. Notice the words here, verse number four. It says in verse number four, that the, the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, here am I. Verse 6, and the Lord called yet again. Verse number 8, and the Lord called Samuel the third time. Verse 10, and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Uh, the word called literally means to call a name, as God did. Samuel, Samuel. Okay. I find it interesting here. First of all, I'd like us to consider this call, letter A, this the type of this call, the type of this call. I find it interesting that, that God didn't just, hey, Samuel, listen up, and begin a long spiel of X, Y, Z, right? No, God wanted to know that Samuel was listening before he spoke. Thus, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel thought, of course, it was Eli. So three times he goes to Eli and says, here am I. You, you called? Okay. Uh, and Eli says, no, go back to bed. And, and the third time Eli says, uh, perceived that it was God speaking. And so he told Samuel, Samuel, when you hear this again, when you hear your name, when you hear this call, say, here am I, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And of course, we know that Samuel does this. And the fourth time, God reveals uh, the message that he has for him. I, I find it interesting to think about this biblically. Remember 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah the prophet? Uh, the, the voice of God was not in the whirlwind. It was not in the fire, but it was in the still Small voice. And I find here, God is not going to force his word upon you. He's not going to beat you over the head with a baseball bat and try to get your attention. It's going to be the still small voice. Andrew, Andrew, Samuel, Samuel. It's important for us to, to be listening, to be in tune with this still small voice, this call of God. Because oftentimes, I know I'm guilty of this, we live busy lives, don't we? And it's easy for us to ignore the call simply because we have this to do, that to do. I don't have time, right? Man, there's no worse thing for us to do than to ignore the call of God. The type of this call simply was a still, small voice. We need to turn aside and listen to this still, small voice and allow the Lord to speak to us. But let her be. Notice the timing of this call. Verse 2, And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, 
And his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. It was dark outside. But verse 3, In air the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. According to the Old Testament law, the priests would go into the tabernacle two times a day for the purpose of trimming the lamp, trimming the candlestick, the seven-branched candlestick, once in the morning, uh, very early in the morning, uh, and once in the evening. According to the Old Testament law, this light was not to go out. It was to be a perpetual light, a light that would always be burning. Great application there, right? We are the light of the world, not to let our light go out. We don't put a, a bushel on top of it. Uh, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hit. There's a lot of application there about this light that was to constantly be burning. But two times a day, the, the high priest would go into the tabernacle and make sure that the candle was still was still lit, was still burning. And the Bible says here, verse 3, in era. The lamp of God went out before the word air means before before the lamp of God went out of the temple of the Lord. In other words, this would have been very, very early in the morning, right before Eli was supposed to get up and trim the candle. Right before he was about to get up and the candle was about to go out and Eli was supposed to get up and go trim the candlestick and keep it burning. Do you see the time? Very early in the morning. It's probably it says here it's still dark outside. He couldn't see Samuel was sleeping. Eli was sleeping. I see the time of this. I like what, what David said in Psalm 63, verse number 1. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. The best time of day, I believe, to seek the Lord. The best time of day to listen for the call of God, to listen to the word of God is very early in the morning. At least for my wife and I, because we have two little boys and at 7.30, on the button, every single day, Nathan is coming out of his bedroom. Daddy, Mommy, uh, and, and the day is chaos from then on. Okay, uh, So before 7.30 at our house is the best time of day. It's the quietest time in the Inboden household. Okay, uh, And it's, it's, it's a valuable time. It's a quiet time. It's a time uh, when my wife and I both many times are sitting on the couch together. She on one side, on the, I on the other, and just simply reading the Word of God, reading and learning from Him, and listening for the call of the Lord. When God speaks, it's a call. It's not like God's going to slap you in the face and say, hey, listen up. No, it's, it's I have to take initiative. I have to be listening. Samuel, Samuel, it was a call. When God speaks, it was cherished. When God speaks, it was a call. Number three, when God speaks, when God spoke, it was clear. It was obvious. The message of God to Samuel, there was no questioning it. There was no ands, ifs, or buts about it, was there? I mean, we already read it. Verses 11 all the way down to verse number 14, God simply tells Samuel that Eli was going to be punished for his sin and for the sins of his children. Really quickly, just in passing, notice what it says in verse 14. Uh, actually, let's go back to verse number 13. For I have told him, this is God speaking to Samuel, I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. And I think it's, it's worthy of note. Eli knew what his sons were doing. He, he knew it. There was, there, there was no, he wasn't blind to the fact. Okay, But then it says, uh, for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. I think there's great application here for you and I as parents. Uh, we need to restrain our kids. It's biblical, is it not? The Bible talks of the rod of correction. Okay, 
Uh, a child left to himself bringeth his mother's shame, the Bible says. A child must be restrained. A child must be taught right and wrong. Okay? Uh, and part of the problem that, that was presented here is that Hophni and Phinehas were so evil. Why? Because Eli did nothing about it. He never taught them right and wrong. He never told them to stop. Don't do that again. Okay? Uh, because of the wickedness of Hophni and Phinehas and, and the dad and his lack of restraint, the Bible says that, that his house would be judged. I believe there's generational consequences for our lack of parenting. I mean, look around in our world today. Is there not generational consequences? Okay. Uh, there, there's a lot of application here, but this is in passing. But the point here is that what God was telling Samuel was clear. It was obvious. I'm not going to get into the entire message here that, that God was sharing with, with Samuel. Uh, but the point here is that it was succinct. It was clear. It was obvious. There was no questions. This is going to happen, Samuel. Okay. Um, no questions about what God has said. And I think as we read the word of God, it's important for us to understand that God's word is our final authority. It's clear. Stick with me here because this is, this is a problem that I as a pastor am facing right now with, with a situation in our own church. Uh, Thus saith the Lord. The bottom line is the Bible, is it not? You, you can say what you want. You can have your own opinions and beliefs. But I choose to base all of my faith and, and belief upon the word of God. Thus saith the Lord. It's clear. It's succinct. There's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. What God says goes. Uh, and specifically, I'll be vague at least, but in our church we have a situation with, with some homosexuality, with, with some of our teenagers. And it's prevalent in our school system, isn't it? And they're bombarded with it day in, day out. And I, they've, some of these kids have asked us questions about, is this right or is this wrong? And so, I, thus saith the Lord. I mean, God destroyed whole cities about it. Okay? Uh, this is wrong. This is not right. Okay? And there's several other situations with, with, revolving around this situation. But, but the bottom line is, what God says goes every time. Period. You cannot argue with it. Thus saith the Lord. And God was speaking to Samuel through Samuel. Uh, and there was a purpose for it. Think with me here. It, was, it, it is our responsibility to listen, apply, and then obey what God says to us. Okay? And to, to not just listen and not just to apply, but to live it right? and obey. We cannot pick and choose portions of the word that we like or dislike. God's word is given with purpose and for a purpose. Let me say that again. God's word is given with purpose and for a purpose. We cannot question it. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us unto glory and virtue. I'm thankful that all we need for life and godliness is contained in the pages of Scripture. All we need that pertains unto life and godliness is available to us through His revealed Word, through the living Word of God. So when God speaks... When God spoke to Samuel, at least, it was clear. It was obvious. This is what God had said, period. Now, lastly, and really the point this morning, I'd like us to consider number four, when God speaks, when God spoke, it was life-changing. It was changing. It changed Samuel's life. Do we not believe that God's word changes lives? I've seen it as a pastor. I've seen a drug addict. I've seen people with addictions. I've seen people with messed up lives trust Christ as their Savior, and the Word of God just molded them. I'll give you an example. We have a guy in our church. Uh, he was he, he was saved on a Sunday night. I was preaching on the Lord's Prayer. 
not much of the gospel presented in the Lord's Prayer. But he was there that Sunday night, and he got saved, gloriously saved. God changed his life, and the very next week he was arrested and hauled off to prison for something he had done a year ago. Uh, and I talked to him. I gave him a Bible. I said, man, you need to make it a goal to read through the Bible completely while you're in jail. Okay. And he did. And I've seen for the last two and a half, three years, th- this, this individual that I'm talking about, God do a miraculous work in his life. He is not the same person. His wife, th- they were living together, uh, and they got married, um, and they have several kids together now. God has blessed their home. God has blessed their home and their family. And I'm thankful for it, but I've seen it. And that's just one example. I've seen it, how God's word can change someone's life. Now, in, in the example here of Samuel, notice what it says in verse 7. Up to this point in Samuel's life, it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto them. He was just doing what Eli told him, right? Minister. In fact, the Bible says he had a little linen ephod that he would wear, and he would go around the tabernacle serving God as a young boy, as a young child. But he didn't know God. Uh, He did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to Samuel. But when it was here in this situation... Notice what it says here at the end of the chapter. Let's go down to the end of the chapter, verses 19 through 21. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did, not, uh, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Notice Uh, how the word of God changed Samuel's life. Verse 19, Samuel is a type of Christ, many different ways. For example here, the Bible says Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. Do you know the Bible says the very same thing about Jesus Christ? He grew in favor with God and man. How even Samuel grew uh, in his walk with God, Jesus Christ, as humanly speaking, grew in his Luke chapter 2. The Bible says he grew in favor with, with God and man. The Bible says Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. Wasn't before, right? But now God was with him. The word of the Lord came to Samuel and it stayed with Samuel. And Samuel's life was never the same. Specifically note a few things that changed. Notice what it says in verse number 19. Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. I love that phrase. In other words, none of Samuel's words were idle. None of Samuel's words, even as a child, were vain, empty, worthless. He, didn't, he, he let none of his words fall to the ground. I'll tell you this. God's word will change your life. It'll change your speech. It'll change how you talk. Your vocabulary will be much smaller. Okay? If you allow the word of God to change and affect and grow your life. James chapter 3, verse 13, the Bible asks the question, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Would you raise your hand and say, That's me, I'm a wise man endued with knowledge. Well, the Bible answers the question here. Uh, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his mouth, his works with meekness and wisdom. James chapter 3, if you know the context, is all about the tongue. And our speech. You can say you're a wise person, but it's better to prove you're a wise person. Okay. Uh, my dad used to tell us growing up, you open your mouth, stuff falls out. Okay, just keep it shut. And sometimes it's best just to let your yay be yay and let your nay be nay, right? And just, just sometimes less is better. 
And Samuel, as a young man, as a child, learned the lesson to allow the word of God change his mouth, change his speech. But also, I think most importantly here, and the reason for all of this change really, verse 21 says, And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. God continued to reveal himself to Samuel. This was kind of a launching pad. This was the beginning, if you will, of Samuel's ministry, even as a child. Uh, and from this point, the rest of his life, Samuel was a success, a spiritual success. And it was all based upon the Word of God. It was all based upon how God chose to reveal himself to Samuel uh, through Samuel for the people, and God chose to use him. Uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse number 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good, what is it? Success. Did you know that verse, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, that is the only place in the Bible where the English word success is found. Look it up. Success. We want to be successful. It's based completely upon the word of God. Let me read that verse again. Of this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Our success, our spiritual success, God's continued work in our life is based upon what we do with the word of God and how we allow his word to change and mold our lives. Now, in conclusion, uh, quite simply this morning, do you even know the Lord? Or are you like Samuel before this point? Didn't even know God. Okay, Maybe you're here this morning and, and, and don't even know what I'm talking about. If you were to die at this very moment, you do not know where you would spend eternity. Well, it must start somewhere. You've got to know the Lord first. Okay, uh, This is referencing, of course, salvation, being born again. Has there ever been a time in your life when you've trusted Christ to save you from your sin? To be born again, to allow Him come, to come into your heart and life and change you. That's where it starts. That's the first application this morning. But for you and I as believers, those of us who know where we will spend eternity, for those of us who know that we're saved and born again, what are we doing with the Word of God? Is it precious to us? Do we cherish it? Do we listen for His call? Okay. Uh, do we uh, understand that His Word is clear and allow His clear message to penetrate and, and help us and guide us and penetrate our heart and life? And lastly, do we allow the Word of God to change our lives? to mold our lives. My, my goal this morning with the message is for all of us to be challenged to have a better walk with God through His Word. Maybe you're here this morning as a Christian, as a believer, and you don't have a time that you spend with Him every day. I would challenge you to get one. Pick a time, maybe you know 30 minutes or so, and, and you don't have to read a whole book or a whole chapter even, maybe just a couple verses. And allow God's word to change and mold your life. And I promise you, you'll not be the same. Allowing God's word. You see, I, I, I pray today, as, you know, I have a guy preaching in our church this morning. And my, my, I try to make it a habit sometimes to not tell our people that I'm leaving. Because preachers are way that people will play, right? Uh, people stay home if they know pastor's not going to be there. My goal is, as a pastor is to not make people into what I want them to be but to mold them into what God wants them to be. Don't do things because pastor said so. Do things because God says so in his word. You need to have a chapter and verse behind it. And the only way you're going to do that is if you read it, if you have time. 
uh, every day that you spend with the Lord and allow His Word to mold and change your life. That's my goal. That's my desire for all of us, is to allow the Word of God uh, to become more real, uh, to have a deeper desire to know God more through His Word. In conclusion, when David Livingston began his trek across Africa in 1852, we know David Livingston as a tremendous pioneer, explorer, and missionary. When he first started out on his mission, he carried 73 books with him. When he left the boat and began trekking out through the woods, through the jungle, he had 73 books with him, which they tallied weighed about 180 pounds. Pretty heavy, isn't it? Uh, After he had gone about 300 miles, he finally came to the conclusion that I can't keep doing this. And so he started lightening his load. He started taking a book out here, a book out there, and trying to get his pack a little lighter. He began to throw books by the side. And uh, eventually the only book left in his library was the Bible. He ditched everything else except for the precious Word of God. And that one book is what made David Livingston's ministry very successful because he preached the Word of God and, and souls were saved and lives were changed It wasn't the other 73 books. It was the one book that he needed to to be a missionary, to be what God had called him to be. And you and I as believers, as Christians, it's God's word that will make us be what we need to be. Mm -hmm.